Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music here from Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister to you the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. Rhea Miller was the only daughter of Martin and Bertha Miller. Her father was an alcoholic, a drunk, and he wanted nothing to do with God. But by the prayers of her mother, his family, and friends, God brought salvation to him and totally delivered him from the alcohol. He became a Baptist minister in Brooktondale, New York. And then one day in 1922, when Rhea was 28, while walking near her home, she began to consider her father's life, how he had been delivered from alcohol and been brought to salvation, and how he had said that he would rather have Jesus than all the gold and silver in the world and all the houses and land that money could buy. With that, she wrote a poem, and with that poem, she put music to it. But as the story goes, in 1932, a man by the name of George Beverly Shea, then only 23 years old, was offered a contract from a radio station in New York, a contract to sing the popular hit parade music. What George really wanted to do was sing gospel, but his family needed the money. Times were tough. So as George tells it, his mother knowing about the offer, on a Saturday night, put the poem written by Rhea Miller on a big piece of cardboard and placed it on the organ so that he would see it. Sunday morning, rising early to practice a hymn for church, he saw it there. When he read it, he said, I have to sing this. And it didn't take long for George Beverly Shea to compose the music. When his mother heard the tune the next morning, she was in tears. You have to sing this at church, she said. In the lyrics of this song are the words, I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. With that, those lyrics... George turned down the radio contract in New York. But not long after, he was offered another contract with a station in Chicago. And there, that contract was only to sing gospel music. That one, George accepted. You know, it wasn't long after that he met another young man by the name of Billy Graham. And the two of them traveled the world together. George Beverly Shea singing only gospel songs. I have that song here, I'd Rather Have Jesus, sung by another young man by the name of Paul Peters. Let this song minister to you while Paul sings it and ask yourself, is this song mine?
see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share a story about me and a woman named Lenore Drennan. Lenore Drennan was a woman that was at the Rootstown United Methodist Church when I attended there in the 1970s. Lenore was probably the first person I ever met that I thought had faith. Lenore was an older lady. She had a son and a daughter-in-law who had been married for a little while, and they were trying to conceive children and could not. They finally went to the doctor, and the doctor told her son that the sperm count was too low and too weak that they would never have children. Lenore heard the doctor's report and told her son and her daughter-in-law, don't you listen to that doctor. Don't you listen to that doctor. She said it only takes one. It only takes one. And God knows how to get it to where it needs to go. Do you know when I left the Methodist church, they were on child number three. Now, the reason I'm sharing about Lenore is when I was in college in the late 1970s, there were some things that happened in my life that I just turned my heart on God and went away and did my own thing. I finished college, graduated, moved to an apartment, taught school for a while, got married, moved to Texas all the while knowing I was in rebellion against God. I knew it. I knew it down in my heart, but I just wanted to do my own thing. One day when I was down here in Texas, I went to my mailbox, and inside it was a postcard. On that postcard, I started reading it, and it said, Dear Kathy, there's a group of us here at the Rootstown Methodist Church that took a number of names that of people that are no longer here, and we are praying for them. Lenore Drennan said, Kathy, I have your name, and I'm praying for you. He said, God bless Lenore. 
I didn't say it out loud. I was standing in the parking lot, but I looked down at that postcard, and this is what I thought in my heart. I said, I've been had. I have been had. I knew the faith of that woman, and I knew who put her to praying for me, and it wasn't the Rootstown United Methodist Church. It was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I knew I was had. You know, it wasn't long after that, thank you, Lenore, for obeying God, that this girl finally threw down the sword, surrendered, and came back to God. Thank God for Lenore. You know, she's with Jesus today. Now, I believe there are some of you out there that are in the same boat that I was, that you are in that same rebellion. And some of you think that you've gone too far, that you can't come back, that you've done too much, that there is just too much sin in your life that God will not accept you. Well, I have two examples I'm going to share today of how God dealt with two of the most wicked men in the Bible. Two of the most wicked. And the first one we're going to go to is 1 Kings chapter 16, and I'm going to begin in verse 30. This is talking about Ahab. And it said, Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. This guy is in the wicked hall of fame. 31, and it came to pass as if it had been a light from him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took the wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethabad, the king of Zidodians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. This is how bad Ahab was. Now let's turn to 1 Kings 21. We're going to continue on a little bit about Ahab. Verse 17. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Arise, go down and meet Ahab king of Israel which is in Samaria. Behold, he's in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto Ahab, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And, and thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, who Ahab had just killed, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. This is a bad guy. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee. This is God talking to Ahab. I will bring evil upon thee and will take away thy posterity and will cut off from Ahab him that pisses against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel. And I will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Bashea, the son of Ahijah, for the provocation where thou hast provoked me to anger and look and made Israel to sin. This man caused a whole country to sin. And Jezebel also spoke the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the, in the city, the dog shall eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowl of the air eat. But there was none like unto Ahab, 
which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. This is a wicked, wicked man. Now, how did God deal with him? How does God deal with this wicked man? And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass. When Ahab heard those words, what did Ahab do? That he rent his clothes and he put sackcloth upon his flesh and he fasted and he lay in sackcloth and he went softly. Now, look what God did with this man. This is the most wicked king before any before him. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, this is God speaking to Elijah. Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? This is the wicked, wicked man. And this is what God said. He said, seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days. You see how God dealt with that wicked man? Amen. You see what humbling himself did? Let's go to the next wicked man. I'm going to read some verses. We're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to talk about Paul, Paul of Tarsus. I'm going to read you a couple scriptures about Saul before he became Paul. We're not going to go there. Acts 8, 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, the death of Stephen. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women out and committing them to prison. In Acts 9, 1, and Saul, breathing out threatenings and slaughter. This man didn't like Christians. Against the disciples of the Lord and went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, that he would bring them bound unto Jerusalem to do what? To have them killed. This is Saul of Tarsus. This is a man that was after anybody, anybody that was a Christian, anybody following Jesus. The man hated them. I'll let Paul describe himself. I'm going to turn to 1 Timothy 1, and I'm going to begin in verse 12. And I thank Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Paul speaking. Now he's no longer Saul, he's Paul. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer, a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, hurt Christians, wanted them dead. He said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I want you to look at that word, of whom I am chief. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the Word of God is the Word of God? Do you believe that every word in that Bible is true? 
Jesus said it can't be broken. Well, you just had Paul tell you who was the chief sinner of all. Oh, but you say, Paul's exaggerating. Okay, where else in Paul's writing does he exaggerate? Where else in Paul's writing does he exaggerate? Paul doesn't exaggerate. He speaks the word of God. He is saying here that he is the chiefest. He was the chiefest among sinners. So what did God do with the chiefest of sinners? The chiefest. What did God do to him? He made him a minister of the gospel. He made the chiefest of sinners a minister of the gospel. Don't you think God could do the same thing with somebody that is not the chiefest? Like you. Like you. One more verse. John 6, 37. I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to read it. All that the Father has given me shall come unto me, and him that cometh to me. Him that cometh to me. This is Jesus speaking. Him that cometh to me. I will in no wise cast out. No wise. No wise cast out. All you have to do is go to him. All you have to do is go to him. And he will in no wise, no wise. That's a promise from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his son Jesus will in no wise cast you out. I have the perfect song here. It's going to be sung by the My Girls, and they're here with me. While this song is playing, go to God. Surrender your life to the one that died for you, was buried for you, and was raised again for you.
Jesus. Romans 10 verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. The word means thou shalt be set at safety. The word means anything that you need. It means salvation. Now, what happens? What happens when you do that? What happens when you go back to the God that you rebelled against? What does he do? How does he act? Go with me to Luke 15, verse 20. This is Jesus describing what the Father does to somebody that has been in rebellion, has gone away from God, and comes back. Jesus describes what God does. Verse 20. And he arose. This is the son, the wayward son. And he arose and came to his father. Now look at this. And when he was yet a great while off, the prodigal son, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, saw him, and had compassion and ran to him. The father ran to him, saw him a long way off coming back, And the father ran to him, ran to him and said, and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
This is what Jesus said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Father of glory will do to the person that returns to him. The Father will run to you, run to him. He will meet you where you're at. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the musicians from Water of Life Church. She'd love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at KathyDavidsonWOL.com. That's W-O-L for Water of Life. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find her on the Internet at www.KathyDavidsonWOL.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.